0: One thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Mm. When? When? Why do we wait for? Take this!
1: Hello everybody, welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 57. My guest today is going to be Willie Hunter. Willie is a hilarious, hilarious dude, one of the uh, newer paid regulars at the Comedy Store, and he was a writer on the Gerard Carmichael Show, and he'll be here in a little while, um, hopefully. I think he's going to show up. Anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we're live on the Comedy Store's Twitch right now and uh john cheeser's here my buddy todd larson's over there he's gonna take some pictures for the tim gaither podcast so uh we've got a lot of shit going on here today um
2: now you said okay i just met todd and uh you guys work together is that right or
1: well the first time the first time todd ever did a road gig was uh when I was in, it
0: wasn't Brody, it was I was at my home club in San Antonio. Okay, his home oh, club okay. in San Antonio. He
1: hosted, and I was the feature, and uh, Augie Smith was the headliner, and he was just telling us that some lady, 80% into the show, like Augie had like 15 minutes left, and she decided she was offended and wanted all her money back. And we're like, well, you should have gotten offended 45 minutes ago. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> So, yeah, God bless Todd for coming down. I totally <laughs> forgot that you were even going to do it. This has been the craziest couple of days. I was uh, I was on a plane yesterday for what ended up being about 12 hours with all the delays and all that other shit. There was a uh, – I tweeted this. There was a deaf guy next to me, and I, I tweeted and put on Facebook. I said, uh, um, there's a deaf guy next to me. What's the sign for wash your ass? <laughs> <laughs> because this dude – God, he stunk, man, so bad. And uh, him and his wife was like a deaf couple, and and uh, he kept getting over and like bending over in front of me for some reason. And I was just like,
2: oh, for the love of God, man, will you please? I don't know if it's like a maybe it's like a sinus deficiency. I mean, at well, some point you, you, you would
1: think if the guy can't hear that he could at least smell well, you know? Yeah. Because like usually when you're percent. deficient in one sense, yeah, yeah then you you're can, right. yeah.
2: Or his anyway. wife would assign to him, like, here, like here's some dial soap. Or... Well, she's probably used to it. Maybe it was her that smelled I way. think that's what it is. It, it's like you get used to it, um, and then you just kind of numb to it. And then one day someone walks into your apartment, and it's like, you stink, man. Like, <laughs> all of your shit in here smells horrible. Yeah,
1: like, I've had people, I've known people that, at, like, the entire relationship I've had with them, they've had bad breath. And, and I know for a fact that they have, like, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and I'm always thinking, like... Have they never, ever told you, you know, what's coming out of your face right now? Apparently. Well, you never know where people
2: are. I mean, desperate people. They're like, you know what? I've been lonely for 17 years. I'm willing to take a little halitosis. This
1: this is actually a pretty good segue into uh, um, a good friend of mine this last week. Craig Tonganson passed away, and he was was tragically shot and killed. And uh, Craig was a great guy, and i feel really horrible for his family it sucked that i couldn't be back in kansas city for his memorial um but speaking of smells craig and i went to new york city about i don't know 12 15 years ago and uh i paid for everything i was like dude i'm doing the pittsburgh funny bone you come with me you can do some guest spots and uh you do some guest spots, and you be like my tour guide in New York City because Craig claimed that he knew New York City like the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, dude, I know everything about New York City. I'll take you everywhere. And I was like, cool, I'll pay for the gas, I'll get our hotel. All you got to do is be my little tour guide. And he's like, all right. And Craig, if anybody doesn't know him, is, was super enthusiastic about everything he was just you know it was very hard to get him down about things um if he didn't want to get down about it so we went to new york city and he is our tour guide he's taking me around and my tour guide didn't know shit about new york city he was <laughs> he'd been there before right You're... well he had been there but he was just as clueless as me okay. plus we were okay. smoking <laughs> pot. I mean, we were smoking, it was like a Cypress Hill concert. We were just the, between the two of us, how much weed we were smoking. Um, so by the end of the day, and it seemed like every 30, 40 minutes, cause we were stoned and lost, we would stop and we would eat something that we had never eaten before, whether it be like New York pizza or Persian food or Indian food or just, we were just trying everything. And, uh, so we get back to the hotel and, I'm a little annoyed at Craig, to be honest with you, because I'm like, dude, you don't know shit either. (laughs) I mean, we spent the whole day lost. He's following you around all day. Basically. So we get back to the hotel and we've been eating all day and I went in the bathroom and took the worst dump of my (laughs) life. I mean, holy God. I'm surprised the fire alarm didn't get shut off. Just get started. Whatever. And, uh. (laughs) and I'm sitting in there, and and you know it's bad when you're conscious of, wow, this is really bad, like when it's yours, and you're like, oh, Jesus, like you're in the middle of it going, my God, this is just awful. So to get back at Craig, I was like, hey, buddy. After I get done, I'm like, come look at this bathtub. I've never seen a bathtub like this in my life. (laughs) And he comes in, and he's all enthusiastic. He's like, what, what? And it takes him probably two seconds to realize that I only brought him in there <laughs> just so he would be part of that funk. And uh, and it took him a couple seconds, and he's like, oh, God damn it!" <laughs> and the look that Craig had on his face will make me laugh until I'm an old man in a nursing home. And, you know, for people that don't know him, you know, yeah, that's kind of an amusing story. But the picture I have in my head of his face when he smelled that is and always will be one of the funniest things of my life and uh i'm gonna miss him for a variety of reasons um but anytime i need to laugh about something i will think about that story and uh it'll make me laugh no how
2: when did you guys when you and craig how did you guys first meet
1: Um, Craig was already, he was like three years younger than me, but he was already doing comedy and getting paid for it at Stanford and Sons. Uh, He was a really good MC already. Um, so that's how I met him. When I, when I started open mics and stuff, he was one of the few guys that was already getting paid. And, uh, Craig's thing, he always had pot and he was always like, Hey man, let's go puff. And that was always this thing, (laughs) doing a puff. And there were some things you could count on when you would call him or he would call you when you would answer the phone, he would the first thing he would say every time was, Hey man, what's up? <laughs> and, and then he would ask if you went, yeah, and then he would ask if you wanted to go puff. And uh and yeah, I'm gonna miss him. Bullshit that he uh that he passed away and then this weekend I was in Virginia Beach and there was a it was like Saturday night or something. And sometimes you know how it is after shows you come home and it's just you come back to the hotel and it's just Lonely, like you went from being like the center of attention to just being like,
2: King
1: to yeah, no one to talk to, and and I was very conscious of, of uh, you know everyone's talking on Facebook about his memorial and all that stuff, and I never felt more separated from people that I wanted to be with at that moment, you know.
2: Um, As you're looking back, and it's got to be a weird sense where. You're seeing names maybe you haven't even read or thought of in seven, eight years, like that take you back yeah. 15 years ago, like when you're first starting out. And yeah. when, when you're first starting out as a comic, I mean, you you sleep on floors, at pool hall. Like, it's, it's a really crazy lifestyle before you kind of get your legs and start, you know, making a little bit of money and le- headway and all that kind of stuff. But it's you're in the trenches. Yeah, is what, where I'm going with that, and there's yeah. certain bonds that you establish in 18-hour car rides with people after you smell their farts after eating corn dogs <laughs> that you can't really, you know, you don't have those with other people.
1: Yeah, I was texting people that I hadn't texted in years just to be like, "Hey, uh, Craig's death has really made me remember all these people," and uh, and. And I just reached out to three or four comics that I used to know that I hadn't talked to in a long time just to tell them that, you know, yeah. I missed them and, right. and, and all that stuff. And, and Craig and I always had uh, similar women troubles. We, we always had, uh, um, we always bonded over that because we were both really bad at relationships and all that shit. And plus we were both huge drinkers and potheads, which doesn't help relationships right. <laughs> okay. at all. Um, so yeah, I'm going to miss his ass, but I did have a great weekend, weekend in Virginia beach, the funny bone. Have you guys ever been to the funny bone of Virginia beach? I have not. It's one of the best clubs in the country. It just is the audiences, the staff,
2: um, the stage looked incredible. I mean, and just the, from your Instagram, I think you had a picture There there's like a whole catwalk or there's a whole balcony, like a U. Yeah. They, thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked like a real nice, like a mini yeah. theater almost.
1: Yeah. There's a balcony upstairs and then there's this little stairwell. I think Willie might be here. There's a stairwell um, that is right by the stage and there's a door. So you can like literally stand there until they announce your name. And then you open the door like a big shot and walk through the door and up onto the stage. And uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. Is, that, is
2: Willie here? Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, no, that's not Willie. I that's thought I saw Willie. him coming. He's gonna be here soon. So, okay. what is that like working with John Witherspoon? That's who listeners, that's who Tim was working with this past weekend.
1: Well, I headlined the Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, and then Friday, Saturday, I featured for John Witherspoon, and he is, without a doubt, one of the classiest guys that's ever done comedy. I mean, you know, in my eyes, he's a legend. You know,
2: Witherspoon. Yeah. And to interrupt pop- you briefly for listeners he's the dad that takes the shit and friday that stinks up that cannot to make this a shit episode but that's who he is if you don't know john witherspoon he's the, he's in he's a legend he's pop, he's Courtney yeah,
1: Courtney yeah he's pops from friday boomerang one of my favorite movies yes, he had yes. some of the best lines you can't be pussy whipped you got to whip that whip pussy, that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> i don't get pussy whip i whip pussy that's that's john witherspoon um. <laughs> and we we had some great conversations in the green room and he has no ego whatsoever doesn't travel with anyone um is just a normal dude and I even told him um before the after the second show or before the second show or something like that or, no it's after the second show we were hanging out and I said uh I said man I just you know sometimes I get nervous and I was in that stairwell down there and I was like you know there ain't nothing to be nervous about you just think how. Whenever I'm nervous, I try to be grateful for things. Like rather than worrying about it, I try to be like, think how cool it is. And I'm like, dude, you were just upstairs having a great conversation with a legend of this business. And and I told him that before this after the second show, and he was like, oh fuck, I don't care about none of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he meant like I don't I don't think of myself as a legend or. Any of that stuff, but he is whether he thinks of himself that way or not, he absolutely is. And he was telling me some great stories about Mitzi and how they had this their relationship and how he was the house MC at the La Jolla Comedy Club. And they had really, the, yeah, they, is that where he got his start too? No, he started out here, but he would travel down to La Jolla, and or not the house MC, but he would do like their potluck or I forget exactly that.
2: The terminology with it but yeah
1: but he was he they would drive him down there in a limo and he would host it and and he said mitzi would be at the front door and she'd be like he'd be on stage <laughs> and, and mitzi would be like johnny come see people people are at the door and he'd be like mitzi i'm on stage <laughs> 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 and he said that people like really enjoyed listening to their banter um I've I've featured for him a few times now and one time I asked him I was like, "Hey man, would you like to do my podcast?" He goes, "Oh, fuck no." <laughs> <laughs> I don't do none of that shit. Um, but what a cool dude. What a laid back, just awesome person.
2: And that's like he's so he's been in the industry now for god of like 40, 40 years. years 40 years, yeah. Man.
1: Yeah, he's been doing comedy twice as long as me and uh 40 years. Yeah. 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 A little over twice as long as me, yeah. So, uh, and he said he still gets, you know, somewhat nervous. And he know he knew everybody. He was talking about Richard Pryor, and 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 right before he we went on stage, he was talking about some. Uh, he was in the stairwell and down there, and and talking about how sometimes you don't feel like going on stage at all, you know. And I'm like, I'm glad to hear that never really goes away, because. And then he's like, but you get Then you get out there, and especially when they're a great crowd, you know, it all just kind of kicks in for you. And, and It's fun uh, again, and you're like, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. That's you know, why we do this. Yeah, he said Richard Pryor. They would get him like at the comedy store. They would get him to do five minutes. You know, they'd be like, come on, Richard, just do five minutes. He'd be like, okay. And he'd go up there to do five, and he'd end up doing an hour because he would start feeling it. You know, yeah. and we all we all get that way as far as you know. One day you don't want to do it, and the next, or a few minutes before the show, sometimes you're like, I don't want to do this shit, and then you get up there and. It's like a different person takes over, you know? So. A different one is a small crowd,
0: though.
1: You get to do those clubs where you all right, 11 people, yeah. yeah, that's true, too. But I've found that some of my favorite shows are small crowds. Yeah. You know, because then it's almost like you're in their living room and you're just, you know, if, especially if it's a good little crowd. Yeah. Because then everybody's part of the show. And,
2: and you're, for me, I feel like that's when I can actually write new material because you're loose you're like i know everyone on a face-to-face basis
0: (laughs) like i trust all you
2: you guys trust me here's some ideas what do you guys think yeah i had
1: a i had a lot of fun um recently on stage that's where i wrote write the most usable material like it's one thing to write in your uh in your room or your hotel or in your office but when you when you write on stage it's usually and then you remember it you know, that's where the best stuff for me comes from is stuff that I say and then I just remember it and keep remembering it. Do you want to know my philosophy on
2: that is in it? I'm going to give it to you regardless if you do or not. It's <laughs> um, OK. So when you're on when you're writing on stage, it goes from your brain right into the mic out to the audience. Yeah. When you're. In your room, it goes from your brain into your pen down onto the paper, right? Mm-hmm. Now you got to take it back off the paper and put it back into your brain and then spit it out of your mic. So you're adding like five, six steps that that translation can get lost or misstrewed or yeah. what did I mean by that? And that's why um, I, I love just taping crap. Like, you know, there's eight, eight people in the audience. Press record. I'm going to record this because like, like you just said, something will slip out. But it's that brain to mic. And you're not losing anything off the paper, retranslating it, even though it's your own writing. Sometimes I read stuff and you're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I, I was too lazy. That should have been a four sentence description. I tried to squeeze it into two and now I gotta throw that away.
1: Yeah, and for me it, it it's it's mainly a matter of just thinking about it too much when I write it versus whether I just say it. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. That's where um the funniest things in my life have always been when I didn't think about it, I just said it. Just say it. Don't think about it too much, you know. And now, even now, if you think about something too much before you say it, chances are it's not funny. Yeah. I turned my hat around so we could get some, get some better, get better pictures of my face. But um. Oh, nice. Willie. Yeah. I've really got my shit. buddy Todd Larson in here right now. He's taking some pictures. He was nice enough to come down here and... Uh, and take pictures. So I'm trying to look nonchalant while he does that <laughs> and talk at the same time. Yeah, where the hell is Willie Hunter? He's here,
2: he's here. I'm telling him. Okay, tell him to we got it. Yeah,
1: tell him tell chair. him we're running out of shit to say. <laughs>
2: next to the door there you got go oh um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst when you're on stage and you're about to wrap up and there's somebody comes up and they're like and they and they give you the stretch sign or, and you're or, thinking i ain't got nothing left motherfucker or <laughs> yeah. a drink and
0: they're on the napkin it says Take 10 more minutes
1: yeah <laughs> or, that yeah that's well, the worst when me they that give you 20 minutes yeah. Ago, yeah come on so in. you're good yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially if they tell you to do a a, a short amount of time yeah. And then you've burned all these bridges.
2: <laughs> yeah, you eliminated all the segways and stuff. You just went right. That's for what that they the don't heater. get is you burning
1: bridges is a is a big deal. You're like, I can't just go back into that shit now. It's not going to make sense. Hello, <laughs> Willie Hunter. Yeah. What's up, buddy? Get How on much? that microphone. Me yeah, see if that, I'm uh, here. Welcome that to the Tim out Gaither out.
0: podcast. This is the Tim Gaither podcast. Do you know yes, Todd had-
2: Larson? Yeah. Okay. Of course. I
0: know Todd, okay. Yes.
1: This is going to make your career, buddy. We've got literally, <laughs> literally dozens of people listening to this shit. <laughs> It's more than basis. one,
0: it's more than one. Yeah. I like that hair, dude. Thank you. Letting it eat a little bit, huh? Yeah. Um, I'm starting to get some gray hairs, too. God, so, I mean, uh, really. In my life ever I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I want to get all the hair I can now before it gets all
1: really salt and pepper. Um, That's funny. I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to let my hair grow out one more time because I had long hair for a few years. And, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And now it, it, I cut it I cut it pretty short, and now it's, you know, and I've got some gray hairs, too, so I'm like, eh, am I going to look like Doc Brown from fucking <laughs> Back to the Future? Not but right. I'm going to let it eat for a minute. But the worst part of those uh, in-between stages, um, when you're letting your hair grow out, yeah. as far as it looking That's weird and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. That's You've got gray hair already? Hair. How, how old are you, Willie? I thought you were like 23 or something. No, shit. I'm 31. Okay. What? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you, you can never tell
0: with black dudes. <laughs> really Even black 60. people can't tell how old other black people are. Yeah. This uh, woman was cutting my hair the other day, and she said, uh, you look 18. How old are you? I said, 31. She goes, hmm <laughs> 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 Missed by two decades. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <So that> was...
1: <laughs> how far did you have to come? Where do you live?
0: I, I live uh, basically down the street by the Grove. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was, it was nothing. It was
2: like a 10-minute drive. For you out in America, that's where you're doing all right. You live over by the Grove.
0: It's a nice area. It is very it's very nice. me and a bunch of Hasidic Jews. It's, oh, yeah. it's home for very me. Safe. Feel safe. It, no, it,
2: where is home, like, outside of L.A. for you? Where did, where, it's Alabama. Alabama. I'm okay. from Alabama, yeah. I didn't know
1: that
0: about you. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm from the south, baby. Cool. Born and raised what there. What
2: part of Alabama? A uh,
0: very small town called Heflin. Uh, but it is 15 minutes away from Talladega National Speedway. And that's okay. how I... That's where I grew up. In NASCAR really, country. NASCAR country right there. I've been there a couple of times, you know. Yeah, I mean that's like The first time I went, I was scared as fuck because I had them black. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. there's like, you know, <laughs> half a million people there. You yeah. know, just, just in partying and outside of the venue. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Yeah, it's like Mardi Gras, uh, but for rednecks. And I went and uh, I went with my friends and I had a blast. I thought it would be a problem, but it, because I was black, everyone treated me like a novelty because you don't have many black people there. So I was treated
2: like a king. I the, was like King of Zamunda there. This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I remember seeing the black guys at uh, fish concerts and being like, These, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy, guys. Turns out they were selling mushrooms, but it was still cool. to. It's weird. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, man. We appreciate yeah. you. And
0: you guys are from uh, Kansas City.
1: Well, I was born in Arkansas. I lived there when I was a kid, but I mainly grew up in Kansas City, and that's where I met John. But John didn't stay there very long. John, you didn't stay. I, in...
2: I grew up as there. As far as comedy was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I, like I would say I got on stage like 10 times over the course of a couple of years. So, what, like, Ingram and I, we both did mics, and mm-hmm. then I went to college in Iowa, so I would, I would leave during the year and go up there. All the while, Rick was still in the area mm-hmm. doing mics, so then when I would come home seasonally, he would be like, oh, dude, come on in, and then... It would be like Mike Baldwin and Tim would be there or like just be back. Like Chris Porter would just be rolling in from Clinton, Missouri with some new road, you know. But yeah, so I I cut my teeth out here, kind of got my feet wet in Kansas City.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, when you say Kansas City, there's there's two, right? There's one in Kansas, and there's one it's in the real East, twin, twin, twin cities. That's I what mean.
1: everyone asks, and I'm always like, I don't fucking know. There <laughs> is. <laughs> there <laughs> like, I, I'm surprised that people know that, that, that many people know that there's a Kansas City, Missouri and a Kansas City, Kansas. Well, I, but we, everyone does, because that's all, literally the first question everyone asks me. Is, well, I, I don't want to make mistakes. Kansas mistake.
2: City, Missouri. I always assume
1: Missouri. Missouri? Yeah. Unless you specify. Kansas City, Kansas is a good place to-, to uh, Get shot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, no, it's, Kansas City, it's Missouri too. Depending on where you're yeah. at, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was kind of weird. No, um, but anyway, the well, I was like, the, wait, yeah, did you think about my buddy Craig? Yeah, yeah, we yeah my friend talking. Craig just
1: got killed in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Or, I'm, I'm not sure actually if it was Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. Okay, jeez, I'm sorry. What? Why? Um, we don't really know. I think he was just in a bad part of town at, at a bad. Part of the, he was like there at like four o'clock in the morning, and Oof. rumor has it that someone took his wallet and he confronted the guy, and and now he's not with us anymore. And yeah, but it sucks.
2: As far as Kansas City being two cities, it, it like same thing when I moved out here, people are like Kansas City, Kansas or Missouri. I'm like, it's really just one city, but technically, you can see both city halls from each from one like Kansas City, Missouri is the actual city, KCK is just there, but it, you know, a couple hundred thousand people. But this is where I like. Shitting on St. Paul, Minneapolis, the <laughs> Twin Cities. It's like, dude, your names aren't even the same. Kansas City has the same names. Yeah, it's like that's the real Twin Cities. And if you want to piss off anyone from Minnesota, just drop that knowledge on them, and then they'll ruin their day. They're like, no, no, we're the Twin Cities. You're like, dude, no, you're technically like you could be, you know, you're not identical like identical Trump's paternal twins mm. all day. I mean, right. That's just my opinion.
1: Did you start doing comedy in Alabama, Willie?
0: Um I did. The first time I went up was at the Stardome. Okay. Uh in Alabama. I've heard
1: I've heard mixed reviews about that place. Um
0: well, the first time I went up it was amazing. You know, I was 20 years old. Um so I couldn't be in the club. I yeah. I only could go on there when it was t- my time to perform. And I remember I wrote some jokes. It was 5 minutes open mic and uh I had practiced for months because they only do mics there every 3 months or something like that and i had my five minutes you know how when you first start you just do it in front of the mirror and i had it down to five minutes flat not even taking any account of laughter right i was just you know these these jokes are gonna be great and i get there and for some reason before i went up on stage i said i don't think these jokes are gonna work yeah (laughs) so i went up there and just winged it and just did improv uh crowd work and it went magically it was it was packed uh, i remember one guy i think i at one point i said i, I want to talk about sex and the, i got a heckler in the front he goes yeah it looks like you've had a lot of sex everyone starts laughing or whatever you know and then i noticed right to him was sitting it was an older lady and i said oh great i'm getting heckled by a guy sitting with his mom <laughs> and that and that really was his mom yeah. and, and, and i thought i was the king of comedy first sure. time going up i'm like this is amazing i'm gonna." This is nothing. Yeah. And then the second time I went up, this is when they turned into also a real at Star Dome. Also at the Stardome? Also at the Stardome, there was only six people in the audience. Yeah. They didn't even turn down the house lights. Welcome to comedy, Willie. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> And it was the worst, still to this day, the worst set I've ever had in my entire life. Really? One of my childhood friends saw me. He haven't seen me since then. It was like a decade ago and he still brings up that set and that's i'm like so i'm funny. better than that you know i that wasn't me yeah uh but and then and then i decided to move to los angeles i only went up twice
1: that's funny i've i've got a similar story as far as my first time there's like 11 people from my high school that came and uh i had my 3 minutes down cold you know like i knew exactly what i was going to say and i'd been practicing it for a few weeks or whatever and uh and it went really well, and the second time I went up, it, the the set was okay, but I, they kept pushing me back farther in the lineup, mm-hmm. and
0: cause you brought the most people probably.
1: Well, I don't I don't remember why, but I remember being pissed off like <laughs> I can't believe they're pushing me and I, I was already I was already bitter. <laughs> 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 my sec, <laughs> my second open mic, I was like this is bullshit. I'm better than these jackasses they're putting up in front of me. And uh, yeah, so it's funny. And I remember I had my punchline my second set, I thought it was going to kill. I had I had a dog and uh, and my next-door neighbor had been trying to feed my dog chocolate and I go, "Hey man, the joke was I, I told my next door neighbor, I said, Hey buddy, uh, please don't feed my dog chocolate. It's it's uh it's actually poison for dogs and he goes, No, he likes it <laughs> and, and my punchline was, I know he likes it. He's a fucking dog <laughs> And and nothing. No laugh at all. And that was my closer. I remember being like all right, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> slowly disappears. But I thought that was funny. I was like, I know he likes it. He's a fucking dog. Yeah. And I just thought everyone was gonna laugh at
0: that and nothing. Dog likes
2: his ass too, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Now, why L.A. over New York? Well, that's that's a great question because huh? it was down to those
2: two. I was just in, the, you know, it's like New York's a little bit closer than yeah. Alabama. I mean, not by much, but
0: I've always had a love for California, the weather, and. Um, I used to go to some college football games when I was in high school. And I remember one game we went to was USC versus Auburn. And USC won 30 to zero. But there were some of the nicest people I ever met, you know, when we were tailgating and stuff. And I was like, man, I'd love to live in Southern California. And I felt like it was slightly cheaper than New York, too. And I felt like if you're going to go somewhere not knowing anyone, I didn't know anyone in either cities, LA was a better fit to try to you know make contacts and things move a little slower new york i felt like i would not have lasted that long there yeah even when people go out there today and they're established they they
2: still live in la you know know. how many people like we know guys that are like moving to la and like didn't wait you did that or moving to new york but you did that five years ago like you know it's like they'll be back and then you you always come yeah it's like the grass is not greener over there yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, yeah,
1: I've heard you can get an apartment like the size of this podcast room and it'll cost you like $2,500. Yeah. 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 Like that's that. insane. It's
0: expensive here, but it's fucking
1: expensive. Yeah, it's crazy expensive there. I mean, that's a
2: lot of freaking money, dude. That's, uh, who was it? Someone was telling me... That it actually got more expensive here after 9-11 because all the New York people moved here. We're like, Dude, it's like free. You can live for free out here, <laughs> and then, like the rent just like went to the roof.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. Well, thanks, right. New York,
2: fucking dicks.
0: <laughs> thanks. Now let me ask thanks you, up,
2: what what was the last show you performed on? Could have been last night. Couple it was
0: ago. it was Sunday night. It was Sunday night at the uh, Regent Theater. We did the uh, the Broke L A. Festival where people go to Coachella. So if you couldn't afford it, they run like a little festival called. It used to be called Brokechella, but then Coachella <laughs> sued them for the name. So now it's just called Broke LA Fist.
2: Which is bullshit, because Coachella's the actual name of a city, anyway. Uh-huh. But anyway, that's. I
0: didn't big know big that. Yeah. yeah. So they they did like music and comedy, and it was it was weird. I I love music, but whenever music and comedy mixes together, it's just not. Oh, it's terrible. I, I hate it. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't mesh well. So we're in a little side room doing jokes, and there's a band on stage. Like you can hear them playing. The walls <laughs> very thin, so you're you're fighting, and people are walking out of that the band room drunk, thinking they're gonna go to the restroom, and they poke their head in there and see some comedy, and they come in there and stand for about three minutes and go, "All right, I'm done with this." They're just talking up there. Yeah, and then walk back in there. It was. It was fun, and also, it was like a bar show. Yeah. Trying to follow
1: out. music can be some of the most brutal shit you've ever tried to do in your life. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's
2: your superpower? You know,
0: yeah.
1: It's
2: like you got to follow a superhero.
0: Or something. Following music, or even, I've, I have had a friend that opened for bands, went on a little tour opening for a band, and even opening for them, because it's they're there easy. to see the band, and you're up there for 20 minutes <sighs> stalling, basically. yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I did it once with uh, punk and ska bands, like around the Midwest, mm-hmm. and so their fans were extra confrontational, because they're like, yeah, you know, and I just, it was actually great shows, because I had just come, and I just stopped working the door here, and I had that like, fuck you, say whatever you want, because my words are going to cut right through your- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- uh, it was. I learned a lot, man, because it's like you you think you see everything here, but then any any comedians listening, go open up for a band because it's a whole different thing, and it gives me a lot more respect for like your Sammy Shores, all those comics mm-hmm. generations, like that opened up for Elvis, like that's how you got your start. You yeah. had to work with musicians back in the day because there wasn't you know a comedy store yeah. until seventy yeah. four or whatever.
1: Yeah, that first, uh, the like I did an um, open for my buddy's reggae band not too long ago, and the first set was okay, and then the rest of them were just brutal. Like, this was I the mean,
2: Reggae Fest Springfield Josh Heinrichs? Yeah. Yes, I was there, remember? Yeah. I was doing the Blue Room that well, weekend, yeah, and I'm like, right. Gaither's in town? I walk down, walk in, just see a thousand stoned white dudes, Gaither on stage like doing his jokes, and everyone's just like... I'll let you explain it.
1: It was just like, it was just like you would imagine. It was like comedy <laughs> at a, at a rock venue. And between sets, I mean, I would have people come up and they were all very complimentary and nice and man, you're great when you're going back up. And I'm like, you enjoyed that? And they're like, <laughs> 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 you know, you know, and they'd be like, no, you're great, man. This is awesome. And I'd be like, okay, well that gives me the confidence to do it again. And I would keep going back up there. I think I did three of them. And the third one, um, was especially brutal because that time they were all fucked up. But, But by that point, it almost became like a bring it you motherfuckers like, yeah what else can you do to me you can't you know yeah you can't hurt me and then some guy came on stage and like tried to, he wasn't he wasn't trying to start a fight with me but he was like heckling me and like I guess he didn't think I could hear him good enough so he came up on stage and then he got thrown into the crowd and it was it got pretty ugly <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah
1: I don't know if it's my I don't know if it's your mic or what but fuck it's loud when you talk John it's like it's like a goddamn like you're a giant or something I am a giant you are a there we go big how about motherfucker.
2: that, <laughs> that, that sounds a lot better it really yeah. does What's well, my voice too it was deep initially and then i smoked for years and years so well
1: we no i just i don't talk loud enough that's part of my freaking
0: problem um which is why i like a microphone on stage is i like to project my my voice oh it's the best yeah and and that was one of the first things that i learned doing comedy you know like people always talk about your jokes and stuff too but the performance a- aspect of it is is really crucial you know stage presence and stuff but some people don't know how to talk into a microphone oh there's Dude, I know people that have been doing comedy for a long time that don't
1: know that that's an amplication device. Yes, <laughs> and you can you need to speak into it, and you don't have to scream into it either. Um, you know, I get it if you want to get your point across, but there's yeah. a lot of people that just don't don't realize it. I had a club owner recently tell me he was like, "Man, you." you've got really good mic skills a lot of people don't realize that that's an application device and that's what your voice is supposed to yeah. do. and that's what i do when someone's talking up front or something i just talk louder and get m- right on the microphone and then i just kind of drown them out Rather, yeah than i had a
0: friend last night the, the mic was a little hot but you know you just pulled it back a little bit but he kept eating the mic and he kept telling turn the mic down i was like you don't have to be that close to the mic yeah you know and it was it was a disastrous set
2: he had. <laughs> yeah. I got I got it took it me getting yelled at by a club owner. It's like, dude, when you yell, just drop the mic two feet. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess I have to scream into the mic from three inches away and blow the speakers out. I just yeah. drop it two feet. Person I saw
0: that was had good mic skills, and you've guys seen him too. Is Argus Hamilton?
2: Oh yeah. And
0: he he really gets comfortable on stage. He'll have one of his arms out of his jacket, getting ready to <laughs> take off his jacket, but leave it on a little bit, and then he puts his jacket on the mic stand, and then the mic is like to his chest level. And whenever it gets to his punchline, he'll lean into it to amplify the punchline. And I was like, oh, those are interesting things are that yeah. I've never noticed before. Yeah, all that little shit counts, you know. Subliminal signals.
1: Yeah, making the crowd feel at ease, you know. Like, I've got a punchline in my act where I always squeeze my lime, you know, <laughs> and in, into my drink. And it's all designed to make the crowd feel more comfortable. Yeah. You know, it makes them look like, oh, he's just up there talking to us, making his drink, and... You know all that little i used shit. to hear that people hate
0: it when a comedian brought notes up on stage yeah and uh, so i thought you know it'd be funny if i brought my notepad up there and pretend like i was reading my jokes off of it yeah and when I and I do that for about three minutes, and then I go, I don't even know why I'm looking at these notes. This is a picture of a little girl holding balloons, and I show the audience <laughs> my notepad, and, it's, and they just erupt in laughter because I can feel them thinking it's not professional. So right. they wasn't with me until oh, I did great. that bit, and then I had them. But it's so weird how I don't care what you do can on you stage. You open
2: with that when, on your tel- like your big television debut. <laughs> like, do you open with that. I, I would. That I, is I. Fantastic. I, I think down it's hilarious.
0: You fuck it up. <laughs> 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 you got to see it. I'm going to do it on Conan. <laughs>
1: uh, have you always been good at impersonations?
0: Only of people that I already kind of sound like.
1: <laughs> okay. Because uh, Willie Hunter does the best Barack impersonation oh, yeah. of anyone I've ever heard. Um, do you care to do a little for us? Yeah. Wait, ladies
2: and gentlemen, Barack Obama just walked in. Brock, mm. how you been, man? I mean, you know, it's been a year and a half since you've been president. What have you been doing with yourself? <laughs> uh, well, everything's been good. Now... Now, I'm not president anymore. Uh, You have a new
0: president, and we should stand by him and give him our undivided support. Now, sure, we don't like him. Hell, I don't like him. But he is the president, and he's part of the presidenthood, and we have to uh, stick together. <laughs> it's so funny about that impression. I mean, and I say this in my act now. When I, before I do it, I said he used to be my act. <laughs> now he's not president anymore. I remember
2: anymore. in 08, I mean, it was right after you yeah. got to town, and I still remember like, uh, you know, when I was working the door here, and you like it had to have been like one of the first times you got here. But mm-hmm. you just kind of hands in your pockets, like just like I'm like, did you just step off the plane? Like you yeah. look so green, like there were sprouts come like yeah. growing. Up. And you were just like really nice, and you're like, "What's this place about?" And like really polite. And then, like within a year and a half, it was like because you got here in what? Oh six, oh seven, oh eight. Oh eight, yeah, yeah. It was like right. I just got here when that you Obama didn't... stuff, man. That was. That yeah, he was still
0: senator back. at the time. He was running for president when I started doing. It. I said, oh, "I kind of sound like him already. Maybe lower my voice a little bit and add some stammers uh, and drag out my words." I think. I think I can do it. Yeah. And and then it just kept getting better over the years and of course he won and then 8 years and I was like, "Fuck, yeah, I'm I'm going to milk this all the way through." And um and it was it was always my my uh, closing joke was that impression. You know, even if I had a bad set, I know I can do that impression and it would the audience would like it.
1: What, uh, what were you going to say about it, though, like these days? It's it's going to be a great impersonation for years, though. I mean, people aren't going yeah,
0: to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I use it now. I'm working with my buddy Jeremiah, who does a phenomenal Trump impression. Okay. And uh, so we go on stage sometimes as Trump and Obama uh, and do a little banter. Yeah, and, and we treat it as Trump's a loose cannon and Barack's trying to ta- teach him how to be presidential. <laughs> uh, you can't say that, Donald. Donald, you can't don't refer to black people as the blacks, you know? <laughs> and then Jeremiah, and I can't do a trauma, but he's like, Oh, but they're black. So they, they're the blacks," you know, or whatever. And we would do that on stage and we've been doing that recently and it's been hitting very well. But of course I can't do that every time because Jeremiah's not with me. Right. You know all my shows, but that's like a treat we do at the comedy store. Yeah, definitely. if it's
2: gonna, you know, you guys are together in rooms frequently. Yeah. That's like once or twice a week. You can work yeah. that out. And listeners, real quick, that's at Will Hunter Show on Twitter, right? You still yes. rocking that at Will W I L? Not tweeting as
0: much, but because people people are losing their jobs over tweets.
2: Right, I know, man.
1: Trump has Trump has many problems, but one of his biggest ones is that he is following Barack Obama, who is arguably. The smoothest best yeah. speaker we've ever had as a president, <laughs> Yeah. and then we literally go from to Donald, who even if he has a valid point, it gets lost in the way he says it. Yeah, you know, whereas Barack could be like, you know, I did beat women in my twenties, and he could sound he could he, he could he could sell it. His be voice like, well, is probably so. I had it coming, Barack.
0: It's so <laughs> velvety smooth. <laughs> they do. That's why in women they're so difficult. Sometimes I'll just. If I'm feeling lazy on stage, I'll just read Trump's tweets as Barack Obama. Yeah. And the crowd eats it up. Because it does sound presidential when Obama reads them, even though they're just the worst. Like one of his tweets about North Korea, I read that as Obama. And uh, the tweet was exactly this. It said, uh, uh, will uh, someone tell the leader of North Korea uh, that I, too, have a button? Uh,
2: Get Get uh, the Trump. I want to see this. Get your... I need Twitter right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hand you this. <laughs> Sorry, finish your thing. Oh, uh,
0: I too have a button, uh, except mine is much bigger and it actually works. <laughs> and that was his tweet. And then the crowd's like, "Yeah, it's his voice, man. He just he's just not articulate. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, which a lot of people in the Midwest love because he kind of he's not talking down to people. He talks like. With them, like a lot of people talk absolutely, like, yeah, incorrectly, yeah. <laughs> he,
1: he makes being ignorant feel acceptable, <laughs>
0: yeah. Jamar Neighbors has uh, one of the best Trump <coughs> jokes I, I've ever heard, which was saying that you know, when Barack Obama was president, it, it was weird, it's weird that when Donald Trump won. That's when I realized I could be president. Yeah. Like when the black man first went, I was like, Oh, that's nice. We got a black person there. but when Trump came president, I was like, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and and I just laughed so hard at that because it is true. I think a lot of people now feel like they can be president.
1: Yeah. I, I think uh I think it's Jesus, that sounds, sounds loud good. as fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, the
1: little stuff is what is what's important about impersonations too. Like a lot of times, I'll do like movie quotes and people are like you sound just like him and I'm like no I just got the words right yeah you know that's that's a big part of an impersonation too I think the inflections <laughs> the
0: like the mannerisms and stuff I if I tried hard enough I probably could do other people and uh, I used to watch Daryl Hammond you know he had like these talks on YouTube of how he would do impressions and stuff and how he would start it would start with like one word that you know you can you can say like you said with the movie voice you like Oh, it's just the way he said it. I, I got it. Yeah. You know, it has and it sometimes it's not even like spot on impression. It is just like you got the essence of that yeah that person. Yeah. And I used I used to do, do impression of my friends in high school and I could never do their voice, but I had this one friend that would always hold the bottom of his jacket mm-hmm. before he <laughs> gave us big news. And then he would tell us the big news and jump in the air. Yeah. Like I'm crazy person, so I would do that the whole time. They're like, "That's so funny." That's Clayton. Oh my god! And he would get furious. People, people, some it's it's like when you do an impression of someone, they either they find it flattering or they get mad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you pick something about them that's not flattering.
1: I bet Obama would love your impersonation of I him. Mean, you should prank his ass. You should be like, you should tell him you're his illegitimate son or something. Yeah.
0: Oh <laughs> <yeah. laughs> uh, it. Dad, it's nice to see you.
1: Yeah just pull that shit off did you uh did you go to college in Alabama
0: I did I went to Auburn <gasps> University I went to Auburn uh, okay. but I dropped out I only went there for two years I don't know if you you guys dropped out of college
2: um two there and a half go. and then I was I, like I'm not
0: going back yeah I, 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 I was two years and I was, this was like guy. Hey.
1: I graduated but only because I didn't know what else to do <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you graduate what was your major
1: Uh, I was going to be a teacher and a wrestling coach because, again, I didn't know what to do and I figured I'd have my summers off and coach wrestling and Mm -hmm. it's a decent life. Plus, I was going to be the easiest teacher on the planet. You know, I would have been that guy, like, take your test and pass it back, you know, I wouldn't have graded shit, I would have
2: made them Yeah, you going to
0: grade each person. other's tests. Yeah, yes. a teacher that used to do that and Absolutely, you're like, really. That really? Was, was coach
2: Rife at my high school. That that was,
1: that was what I was going to do. I was going to make people grade their own shit except, you know, the big tests. I guess I would have had to do that or hire somebody. That's so funny. It.
2: I <laughs> yeah. I
0: went to college to be a math teacher. Yeah. I was going to be a high school math teacher and I was going to coach sports too. Okay. Uh, probably football and basketball. Those are my two favorite. But I remember I was two years in and I noticed that I was taking all the same math classes as these engineers, mm-hmm. which, you know, made me furious. I was taking the same exact classes, knowing that when I graduate, we're both gonna be in the same debt, but they're gonna start out with a salary of at least 60,000. Right. And I was gonna get, what, nineteen, twenty thousand, 20,000 or something like that. Yeah. It just blew my mind that I was studying the same things with these people. And and as I kept getting into the program where I realized I, I kinda don't like kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's a crucial part to being a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And and then I was had an affinity towards comedy, and that's when I started doing stand up. When I when I decided to drop out of college, yeah, I, which it I, sounds stupid.
1: I did a teacher aiding thing, and, and it was all these like sixth graders, and it was like day two that I'm like, I'm not going to be a fucking teacher. <laughs> There's no way. But I was already four years into college, and then when I decided I wanted to do comedy for a living, I went to my counselor and was like, I'm going to be a comedian, but I've got all these credits. I might as well get a degree. And she was like, well, you can have a social science degree next semester. And I was like, all right. I'll there take, you go. I'll take a social science degree. So I'm technically a scientist. and <laughs> I would appreciate it if you guys would call me doctor from here on out. <laughs> So you, you had an idea, though, that I mean, yeah, I assume you were probably always funny and you, you had an idea that you wanted to do stand up or did you want to do some other realm of comedy? I,
0: I just wanted to be in the business of comedy. Um, I used to write stuff on the side and I, for no one, just for myself. I would write jokes and screenplays just for the hell of it. Yeah. And then I said, you know what? Why don't I try to pursue this and let's see if something could happen. But I've always loved comedy. I used to watch late night TV shows as a kid because I, I was I couldn't sleep as a kid so I'd watch Letterman and Conan and Leno and Arsenio almost every night back when having those credits mattered yeah, yeah. That, when it right. when it met something absolutely yeah
1: <laughs> yeah oh god so you watched it all the time and... I watched it
0: all the time that's my my ultimate goal is to be a talk show host that's what I want to be okay uh in the comedy world but writing it is fun to me too and that's that's really what pushed me out here was writing comedy i had a couple of scripts that i wrote when i first moved out here thinking i was gonna sell them you know show up to someone production office and yeah i got some scripts here can you take a look at them which i did do that i did that at national lampoon you remember the old location down the street and I thought it was a museum. when I had just got here, and I walked up in there, and the secretary goes, can I help you? I go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I thought this was just a National Lampoon Museum. I didn't know this a production office. And as I'm walking out, one of their executives of development walks down. and goes, no, no, stay here. And I was like, am I really going to – is this going to be easy? I'm going to sell my scripts here in Hollywood. And he's like, we need a uh, PA for one of our movie shoots. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was a movie called Radco starring Pedro from Napoleon rat co? And, like Rat like Rat yeah rat. And co okay. with k o and Mr. Belding was in it too uh like I said the guy Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, it was just a terrible script and, <laughs> and it was just a terrible shoot <laughs> but that was my first first days out here and uh I really liked it and uh, and I just kept writing more and I, I still write to this day uh, even if no one's going to see it and I think that helped me out with Carmichael's show definitely
1: yeah how long did you write for them that that show was it's not currently on, right? No, it
0: ended last summer. We we lasted uh, three seasons, uh, 32 episodes. Uh, I, I think there was about, we worked on it since May 2015. So about two and a half years working okay. on having a job. <laughs> uh, but I remember it two years before that, when we started coming up with the concept, it was 2012 when we started developing the concept of the Carmichael show, and it didn't see the light of day until August of 2015. Okay, so
1: great credit, though. I mean, you've got your foot in the door now. Yeah, already. Just you know, I mean, that's a great thing to have in your back pocket for when you, if you know, if you want another writing job, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, it. it it's at first it was it was exciting credit to have you know being a co-creator of a show, a writer on a show. You know, Sheezer even came to a That's taping. Great. Yeah, that was uh,
2: awesome, man. Um, and it was amazing.
0: But you know, I'm still me. I'm still Willie Hunter, and I still want to do my own things. That was the only thing about it. As like was, as excited I was about that show. It wasn't called the Willie Hunter Show. It's right. called the you know Gerard Carmichael Show. So was, I was happy to help a friend achieve his goals and dreams. Now I got to do my own thing, and it's daunting. And, and I'm fighting constantly. Like I should be performing more, or I should be writing more. I have to talk with Neil Brennan about how he did that with Chappelle show. Yeah, how he turned that little credit co-creator Chappelle show into now he's Neil Brennan. You know, you still say co-creator Chappelle show, but Neil Brennan. I'll is tell his own you entity how, like now. when
2: he showed up, or when I remember him coming around here, like let's say oh seven oh eight or whenever it was, he moved back to L.A. or started. Mm-hmm. Like he just put in the work, man. Like he was funny when he got here, but yeah. like, dude, that guy is a beast on stage right now. Yeah. And is. like he's, he's it's one of those points where it's like, Oh, Neil's on stage and you see people gravitate towards the room. Yeah. You know, and that's just hard. you know, hard work. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he
0: would go up every night, you know. Um every mic too. You have to do that. You have to do that. And I gotta get back into that. And I've kind of taken like a year and a half off from stand up. I'm back into it now for the past eight months and it you don't forget, but at the same time I I feel I'm a little rusty and I, I need to go up more.
1: Yeah. And and all the the best guys will admit that too. Like uh it's probably been five or six years ago already that I was talking to Bill Burr and I was like, So when do you feel like you found your voice? And he was like, I still don't feel like I've found it and I'm like <laughs> and he's, what? you know, if anybody who knows anything about comedy, if he's yeah. not, if he's not in your top five, then you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, I agree, and and I think everyone does agree with that, and that's part of why he's so great, though, because as great as he is, and as many people who think he's great, he's still
0: like, eh, I still don't really feel like I've found it i always i always look at i'm glad you said that i always look at doing stand-up or just working in comedy in general is like practicing law or practicing medicine you're practicing comedy every day you don't really perfect it you have to keep going up and refining it never perfect
1: it yeah ever my friend chuck johnson was on stage not too long ago he's this actually been a few years now but i'll never forget it he's already been a 30-year mark and he did a, he had a joke that really killed, and then he closed with something that didn't do near as well, and he goes, I should have closed with that last one. I've been doing this 30 years. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's true. You never have it figured. And, and, and just when you think you've got it figured out, or like my friend Jason Dixon said, he goes, he, who was also a 30-year veteran, he, he hasn't been doing comedy for a while, but he said, you'll be going along, and you think, you know, I might not kill every time, but I don't think I'm gonna eat it anymore. And as soon as you have that thought, you are about to eat yep. shit. <laughs> yeah. Um And 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 even now this weekend, I was having some, some great shows. And as soon as you have that thought, like this is going really well, or this is gonna be one of those sets that you know, as soon as you ha- you have to just stay in the moment. If you think ahead too far, it's almost like the crowd knows. Yeah. Uh, and then it immediately starts going. South, Like, on Thursday, the first 15 minutes, everything out of my mouth just killed, and I had that, and I I started thinking about how glad I was I was taping this show, Mm -hmm. and then no sooner did I have that thought, than people started getting tired, it was kind of hot in the room and all that, and then the show was fine, but that first 15 minutes, it was like, you know, and sometimes you can't follow crowd work, like, sometimes you'll do crowd work, and you're killing with it, and then when you go back into your jokes, um where the fuck did you guys go?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: yeah, no, go back to talking to that chick. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You can't follow your own shit you. sometimes, you know? I,
0: I feel that way sometimes, especially if I, if I bomb. I actually get a little excited to get it out of the way. <laughs> like, you know, especially if you go in La Jolla, La Jolla Comedy Store, and have a great weekend, and then you come back to the Hollywood Comedy Store, it will bring you back down.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been yeah. on the road for like a month before, and... 27 out of 30, 30 shows were really good and then I come back and do the Comedy Store original room and it's like someone kicking you in the balls. Yeah. It's just like... <laughs>
0: um, well, it depends on on the situation. It depends on the night, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Fairly fairly recently, yeah. There's you know, a story with... It's uh, um, just such a different audience mm-hmm. sometimes, too. Several comics. Um, like David Tell, I remember vividly one night bombing, s- horribly silent in the OR and... And that was after they're like special guest David Attell. and people were like, yeah. And then like bomb goes in the main room, crush. Halfway through a set, stops and goes. You know what? Fuck that room over there. That room is a goddamn devil. He yeah. starts cursing the original room from the main room stage. I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that
1: Doug Stanhope won't even go up in the original room. Oh he's wow! Like, he's like, I'm not going up in there. He's like, I, I've got a confidence problem. I, <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to go in there and and have those fuckers tell me I'm not funny. You know? That's so, hilarious. Yeah, I remember that David Tell story. Uh, he he was like, I was just doing these same jokes in the original room. Yeah. And they stared at me like a dog getting shown a card trick. That room is the fucking devil. <laughs> <laughs> I never go back in that shithole. And one night I had to follow him in the original room, and uh, and some nights that room will give you a shit ton of confidence too. Because I went, true. Up, I had to follow him, and he did really well, and I was nervous, and I went up there and had a really good set, and. And it gave me a hell of a lot of confidence. So yeah. it's a double edged thing. It's like,
0: oh, I'm the king of the world. Oh, that, you king. gotta tr- you gotta you gotta always remember the the, the the good sets more than the bad the bad sets you learn from, the good sets you savor, especially in that room. Um because when they come it does put you over the top. Like some I, I can't even sleep that night if, if I do really well in the original room. I, yeah. I still got that stage high.
1: Yeah. Well I live in the South Bay now, which is about um, it takes me it's a 23 mile drive. So, it, you know, at the right time of night, it'll only take 35 minutes to get back to my house. Mm-hmm. But it's been some of the best 35 minutes in my car before. And it's been some of the 35 <laughs> of. Why do I even do this shit? You know, like well, I don't need this. Why do I even go down there? You know, you
0: know you've had a bad set when you're driving home in silence. <laughs> you're not even playing. You're not even playing music or anything. You're just just thinking the whole time. Yeah. Like why did
1: I ever leave Kansas City? Yeah, I was fine. You know, I lived on a farm. I was doing fine. I didn't need it. I didn't. About know. how
0: long in do you think that you said, "Fuck, I, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul."
1: You know, I. I, before I even started, I knew I was going to do this for a living, and I had a plan, man. Like I knew that for the first time in my life, when I decided I was going to do comedy for a living, uh, I was excited in college because the last year or so of college was really anxious for me because I was like, "Oh shit, I don't want to be a teacher," and I'm four years into this. What the fuck have I done? Mm-hmm. And when I decided I wanted to do comedy for a living was the first time that I was like excited about it. And my plan was to do it for two, give it two years. And, uh, and I just, the first two years, I didn't care about making a nickel. I just wanted to get a semblance of how to do it. Yeah. And, uh, so to answer your question, I, I, the first two years didn't worry about it. And then the restaurant I was working at closed down and I haven't had a day job in 17 years. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, before I even did an open mic, I was like, this is going to be my job. Like I have to make this work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of put myself in a corner.
0: No, I agree with that two year thing. That's when I first moved out here, I said, I'll give myself a couple years to see if I have any growth. Yeah. And it wasn't about making money or or trying to be the best comedian. I just want to see, could I do this? Yeah. Um, and am I funny? And then time went on and things started lining up. You know, after two years, I got a job here as a doorman at the, at the comedy store. <clears throat> um, got to do one of the last showcases. Um for Mitzi, even though she wasn't here physically, they taped it for
2: her. That's yeah.
0: right, that's right. Um, and that was one of the last showcases for her. And I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm doing something here. And then I was meeting, you know, you guys here, too. So I was making connections with people. It was all happening. Basketball on Saturday. Basketball on Saturday. Like, I was making friends. I was getting spots. You know, I wasn't making any money, but... It was going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I remember telling someone when I first the first couple years out here, and I when I moved out here, and I already I had already been doing comedy for eight or ten years for a living, eight years for a living, ten years overall when I moved out here, and after about three or four or five months, I was broke as hell. But I remember being out in the uh, parking lot with someone and being like, "I've never been this broke in my life, and I've never been this happy in my life." <laughs> you know, like as an adult, this is the least yeah. amount of money I've ever had. Yeah, and but I still. Um, you know, and that comes and goes sometimes. I, I, I think about
0: those. Days, I don't. I didn't mind when I first started. And my sleeping on floors and couches and cars and it which was is, just it was fun.
1: Which is part of the reason that so many uh, bookers fuck us is because they know that we will try. Just my friend Dan Gabriel put it perfectly. He goes, they know. That we try just as hard if we're making fifty bucks or a thousand bucks. Yeah. And once they figure that out, uh, the good ones don't. The good ones still have a heart and whatever. But there's some guys who are like, you know, they'll do this because they, ditches. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they'll do this because they love it, and we can fuck them. And there's no unity in comedy, and no one, <laughs> you know, we we all. Some undercutting bastards who are like, well, I, well, I'll do it for nothing. We yeah. don't we don't realize yeah. that you're screwing your fellow comedians by doing that. And we've all done it. I remember when I started out and asking um, Brian Burgess to feature in Kansas City, I was like, I'll do it for what do you normally pay features? And you know, yeah four or five hundred dollars for the week and I'd be like, I'll do it for two hundred, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't realize I was twenty three years old. I wasn't thinking, Fuck the other comics. I was thinking, I just want to do this. You yeah. know. But if you're listening and you're out there and you're starting out, you're fucking everybody when you do that yeah <laughs> and and they some of the bad bookers they I shouldn't say bad but you know they're, everyone's trying to make a living but it's, it's, they they know man and it's, oh yeah it, it's it's, it's like, like
2: wait I can get 70% instead of just my 50 yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it. and and, <laughs> and
1: I'm even almost 20 years in I'm realizing that you don't have to accept the money they offer you you can counter offer or tell your manager or your agent I'm not, yeah I'm not going for that and, or if they say this is our budget I'm like okay well then I can't come you'll be surprised at how often they'll be like okay well we can give you this or when you start out high they're not. It's not gonna dismiss you from getting the gig at all. Yeah. It just means that they know you're not gonna take just any bullshit they give you. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a hard thing to learn, especially when you start doing it as your only source of income. And
0: well, that's that's I'm still learning the business aspect of comedy uh, myself now. Um, because you worry about the art side of it for so long, you want to be good at stand-up. You want to be mm-hmm. funny years into it and then once you start making some money you're like uh okay what am i supposed to do now how do i you gotta save because you're gonna have a dry month you know (laughs) you're gonna have one month where you're doing 20 gigs or whatever and then the next month you have two yeah uh balancing your you know your finances is, is a huge thing um and then a lot of people when you do gigs what they'll do is some places like you know we'll give you a discount on drinks and you know you don't add up how many drinks you had and Ooh, yeah, you get your check you're like what the hell happened to my check you're like well you drank it all and it's like
2: fuck
0: yeah <laughs> and some people do that with gambling when they have like the vegas gigs and stuff Dude, like that.
2: that's yeah casino gigs like and i'm at the point where i'm just like that's what you're offering all right whatever i'll take it and so i made that mistake one time and i'll never do it again i'm like can't lose your money yeah. Gotta have the check When you leave the casino, just don't gamble at the casino
1: gigs. (laughs) That's why I tell people when they feature, I'm like, you got to sell merchandise because it guarantees that you at least get home with your check, if nothing else. You don't have to cut into it with gas and all that shit. And I also tell people starting out they need to get a book called Zen and the Art of Stand-Up Comedy by Jay Sankey. I don't know how many people I've recommended that to, and hardly any of them ever do it but it's a really easy book to read if uh, cuz i have people reach out to me every now and again that say they're starting out in comedy and all that and uh so if there's any uh, anybody else out there listening i'd highly recommend that book it it outlines what you do in the mc spot what you do in the feature spot what you do in the headline spot why the mc spot is difficult why the feature spot is the easiest why the headline spot is is difficult then the line mind you have to navigate you know mm-hmm. the check drop and the people getting tired and Following a hot feature, you know all that shit. It it just lays it all out for you, and it's like a little how-to book. I don't know how many, how much money I wasted on textbooks in college, and none of it taught me shit. Yeah. And that twenty-dollar book.
0: That's what is. I don't think I've read this before.
1: Got by game. Jay Sankey. He's a Canadian comedian. Uh-huh. Um, and my counselor recommended it to me because when I got back to my apartment, there was an answer. There was a message on my answering machine, and she was like, "I feel bad. I didn't know how to advise you." because no one had ever come to me and said they want to be a comedian instead of a teacher after putting in 100 credits. (laughs) So she was like, I felt bad, but I did find a book called Zen and the Art of Stand-Up Comedy by Jay Sankey. And uh, so that's really the only recommendation I can give you you know, as a counselor. And I was like, well, thank you. And I got that book, and I remember riding back to Kansas City. It was a two-hour drive from Manhattan, Kansas. And reading that book, and it described like – what a stand-up comedian is and how they're kind of like the outsider looking in kind of a thing and just describe the mentality of us. And I got chills all over me just, wow. just reading it and being like, that's me. goddammit. it. That's, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Fuck. I wish I would have realized this a few years ago, but, um, it, which, which take me back to a point I wanted to make a minute ago and what kind of drives me nuts about this business anymore and not to sound like the old guy because you got to change with the times and that's just how it is. But, there's a lot of comics. To your point, the good ones are worried about getting good at stand-up, right? And they worry about the art form, which is why we get fucked so so easily mm-hmm. in business. But these days, and, and what I was going to say is, the best comedians generally were good on stage. Not to say I'm one of the best ones, but like the good comedians are are uh, they're good on stage and they care about what they're doing up there. But when they get done a lot of times they're kind of quiet and don't want to be around. You know, they, want, they don't want to be the center of attention. Yeah, They do when they're on stage, but not for the most part. And these days it's all about, look at me, look at me, look at me. And most of those guys suck. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like the guy that's on all the time. Fuck, have you ever been around a comedian that's constantly on? You want to murder the motherfucker. Yeah. You're just like, shut up. No one cares. Stop making jokes about everything, you know.
0: I like to think that for the majority of comedians, we're actually introverts. Yes. Um, love being alone. The good ones, yeah. You know, when you go on the road, you're alone. You know, you're at home writing, you're alone. Um, like you said, we, like, we love the attention being on stage, but it's for I want to show you that I'm funny. But then when I'm off stage, it's like, all right, I'm going home, you know. Um, yeah. But there are some comedians that that do that and. uh I remember one time, speaking of Bill Burr, and this is how we became friends, a quick little story. Um, outside the front patio of the comedy store, there was a, a comic. She was hula hooping. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in front of everyone, just hula hooping. And Bill Burr goes, what? What is she doing there? What is, what is she, some improv person over here trying to get attention? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he started laying into improv. And I was like, no, no, she's a comedian. She's like, ah. And then I asked Bill to do my show. I said, hey, would you like to do my talk show I'm doing? And he goes, you know what? I'll do your show if you take that hula hoop and toss it into traffic. And I go, "Yeah, that'd be funny." And he gives me a look, and I go, "Oh, you don't think I'll do it, do you?" And he goes, "Nah." <laughs> so I walked over there to the comic, I tapped her on the shoulder, and I said, "Can I? Can I see that?" And she goes, "Yeah." And I grabbed that hula hoop and toss it into sunset <laughs> you know sunset boulevard car ran over it, and i walked past her and bill comes to me he's like dude that was amazing i didn't believe you were gonna do that yeah i'll do your show twice Here, <laughs> get my number and i was like really That's, i'm getting your number right now you know this is amazing yeah. but it, but he was so irked by that comic that was we're all comedians yeah especially at the comedy so we're all hanging out we're all comedians the worst thing you can do is try to get attention with a group of comedians because right. now you're annoying yeah You know, and uh, I had some friends that used to be like that. That's not like that anymore. Thank God. But that that used to, that's one of the things that I'm like, I I can't do this. And there's some still like that.
2: It's the worst way to like not fit in here. He has to come in and be loud and squeaky and be like, give me the attention. This is how I'm going to fit in. Yeah, this guy recently was doing, I I was just being
1: polite. And next thing I know, he's like doing his impersonations for me. Like he thought I was going to be like, hold on, dude. I've never seen anyone (laughs) like you before. You know, my favorite uh, one of my, we got to wrap this up, but one of my biggest uh, brags in comedy is that uh, I'm not like super tight with Bill Burr. But if I text him or call him, he will eventually get back to me. And one night, uh, one time I was really nervous about something that I was filming that was coming up. And so I called him about it. And he called me back and we were talking. And <laughs> he's on the phone. And uh, he's like, Yeah, Tim, you just got to remember to have fun. And, ah, you're not going to let me over, you fucking cunt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he got right back. He just went right back into giving me advice about whatever. And, uh, you know, so there's my little. Th- those are cool moments drop, right yeah, there. You know. sometimes that's the coolest, you know. I was, I just, I just was having a great conversation with John Witherspoon, and I've done that with Emo Phillips. I got stoned with him on a rooftop pool. Wow. And, uh, and I was just like, dude, I can't tell you how surreal this is to me. You were on the first HBO special I saw that planted the seed for wanting to do this, and now I'm getting stoned with you. And he's like, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't give a shit, but, uh, Willie, we could have. Uh, I could have talked to you all day, man. It's. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. it's it about three fifteen, so we're gonna wrap this thing up. But is there anything you'd like to plug? There's so many questions. That's how I know it's a good podcast. Is that I didn't get to any of the real questions I had. Oh. Um, but that's you know I only do that just so there's no like lag time. Yeah. You yeah. yeah. Know? Um. So.
0: Uh, I don't think I have. I don't really have anything to plug right now. Everything is in the embryonic state stuff I'm working on. Uh, but you just follow me on Twitter. I uh, mean, you know, I say I don't tweet much, but you can watch me to perform stand-up uh, at Will Hunter Show, and uh, Instagram Willie underscore Hunter. Uh, that's about all I got. And one of the good guys
1: in this business, um, you know, the comedy store can be. You know, I've been a paid regular here for eight or nine years, but this can still be an intimidating place. Just. Just by nature, mm-hmm. and you're one of those people that, that I always am like ah, oh, there's Willie.
0: He's a, oh, he's a good dude. I feel the same way about you, Tim. When I saw you uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't seen you in months. Yeah. And I was just walking past the the bucket seats, and I saw you in the corner over there, and you know I got excited. I was like, oh Tim's there, yes. So yeah, The, yeah, the feeling is mutual.
1: Yeah, there are people that just automatically make you more comfortable in that space, and same, yeah.
0: same thing about Willie. So the same thing
1: really nice Thanks, Todd. We're going to have to get you guys back on here. <laughs> um, seriously, I would, I would love to have yeah. you on here. But you
0: pay it for, though, because the, when I first got here, one of the first person to talked to me was John Cheeser. He was working the back door. And, no, I remember it very vividly. And literally. I was, like you said, my hands in my pocket with a Leonard Skinner hoodie was, on.
2: That was weird. Working the back door. It's like whoever came around that corner, I knew they had that little extra like curiosity in them. You know, I just remember you coming around just staring at stuff and be like, what are you up to? (laughs) I just moved to town. 21 years old, (laughs) nothing to do.
1: And and I like to think that I can usually tell pretty quickly who gets it, you know, and you get it, you know, you've always gotten it, like, and I can always tell when people who don't either. It's like someone who says, oh, I used to wrestle, and I'm like, motherfucker, you didn't wrestle. (laughs) 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 I always know, I'm like, you think you wrestled, but... Anyway, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you go to timgathercomedy.com and follow me on all my social media links. And uh, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube, YouTube.com slash Tim Gaither. Go to MakingItHappen.com to help out little Bo making with the rare disease. M-A-C-A-N-ItHappen.com. And uh, anything you want to add, John?
2: No, I was, was going to ask you when your next road gigs are, but I'm like, wait, you're going on vacation, so that's I'm going a on a short
1: vacation, and then uh, I've got a couple weeks off, and then I'm going to the... Uh, Hyenas at Fort Worth at the end of the end of May That's and right. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great club and uh, I've got some other stuff, but all that stuff's on timgathercomedy.com right. All my dates coming up and and my my year is slowly coming together as far as uh,
2: and and. And please just comment, five star, four star, one star. I don't give a shit how many stars. Just if you like it, let us know, and then let your friends know. And that's how uh, we increase the listenership here.
1: Well, if you're going to put one star, go fuck yourself. (laughs) 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 I would like to add that. We'll track you down. We'll troll you, one star. Uh, I I would like to add that if you're going to take the time. (laughs) If you've listened this far and you're going to be like, eh, one star, (laughs) uh, you can go fuck yourself. So, Anyway, that ought to hold you little bastards. Until next time. That's from, I want to start closing my podcast every episode with that ought to hold those little bastards because that was a mistake that I guess Howdy Doody made back in the day. He, he thought they were off air oh. and he goes, that ought to hold those little bastards. <laughs> Robert Duchesne reminded me of that a couple weeks ago and I was like, I'm going to start closing every <gasps> podcast with that. That ought to hold those little bastards. So anyway, thanks for listening everybody. We appreciate you and uh, yeah, God bless all of you. Bye-bye.